This week's podcast brought to you by Grandpa Artie. This week the kids were on school vacation and our youngest slept over at a friend's house and she texted me that night that they were going through, uh, they were designing a, a bedroom and they were looking at ideas on some uh, home site, furniture site. And she said, Dad, um, you know how Uncle Tom's band is Tom, Dick, and Harry? Well, this kid's bedroom we were looking at had three monogrammed blankets and the names on them were Tom, Dick, and and Larry, which I thought would make a great uh, tribute band to Tom, Dick, and Harry. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back Day by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane This is where we need those previously on Hill Street Blues. Oh, I know. It sort uh, of feels like that, huh? Yeah. But where, where, where did we leave off two weeks ago? We left off after the Final Four. But prior to but the WNBA prior draft. to the WNBA draft, because that's how our how my calendar is. My but life is is by women's basketball moments. You measure your life by women's basketball calendar. Yes, and I measure my life by your calendar. There you go. So yeah, it was a week ago yesterday as we record this was the WNBA draft, and the reason we didn't record a pod last week was I was sick, sick, sick. I was sick during the draft. Not COVID. I had tested and I still, I think, have my COVID immunities from having COVID back in February. But You, you uh, were sick in the slang sense of you were awesome. Yeah. And I was physically ill. That's the first time I think I've called a game or done an event where I felt that bad. Like we had our meeting that morning. I went to the meeting and normally I would have done work and stuff during the day. I went back to the hotel and napped and slept and then dragged myself out of bed to go. Much to the to the delight of our 17-year-old daughter who was with you. Was with me. And was just looking to hit the town in Manhattan. I know, the poor thing. But fortunately, after the draft at like 10 p.m., when I came back to the hotel to once again crash, um, our 25-year-old researcher, Jenny, was looking to go out for dinner and she took our uh took our daughter with her so they got to go to a nearby diner and have their 10 p.m dinner not only that but she she also dined the previous evening at mr chow yeah it was holly Rowe made that reservation holly said you know her son holly was taking her son to dinner at mr chow which was not too far from where we were staying because the draft was at spring studios in Tribeca, which is, I guess, where they do a lot of um, fashion shows during Fashion Week. And uh, so we had this early reservation. It was like 6 o'clock or something. The restaurant only had a handful of people in it. We're sitting there, and we're eating dinner. And like an hour into dinner, Holly's son said, uh, don't turn and look now, but is that Billy Crystal over in the table at the table over there? So each of us individually, m- meaning me and our, our oldest daughter, turned and looked, and indeed, he's, he's a pretty unmistakable, has an unmistakable look. Billy Crystal was over in the corner having dinner. He's 74 years old, so naturally you, your group, and he would be dining at 6 p.m. Right, right, exactly. And, uh, and of course, our daughter was most excited because he's the grandpa from, she said, he's in one of my favorite movies ever. Parental uh, Guidance. Parental Guidance. And Holly's son said, I don't know that movie. And he, like, he's 26. He knows movies. He was in a movie recently, actually, as an actor. And um, But I don't think, I think he was right at the age where he was would have been too old, but yet not quite old enough um, in his second life as a parent to watch Parental Guidance. I saw Billy Crystal in the, I, I did a story a thousand years ago on the Los Angeles Clippers having another season of Total Futility. I think they started the season O and some large number of losses. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bill Fitch was the coach. That's how long ago it was. And yeah. Sports Illustrated and its uh, benevolence thought it would be fun to have me spend a week with this team that couldn't win uh, and and obviously didn't want to talk about that. So I was in the Clippers locker room after another loss. 
it was against the Pacers, I know, because Reggie Miller was um, – actually, I was in the Pacers locker room after that game. And the great Jim Murray of the Los Angeles Times was there. Reggie Miller, of course, from California and having played at UCLA, was of interest to the uh, Los Angeles market media and uh but billy crystal was also in the pacers locker room to pay his respects so i being the most famous clippers fan billy crystal i asked him why he set courtside at clippers games when the great lakers were in the same town and he said i don't know and then when i pressed him further was he friendly he was he was friendly and when i pressed him further he also had a, a very large bodyguard with him really Yes, yeah, very large bodyguard in the uh, in the locker room, which I thought was unusual, but whatever. And I wouldn't have approached him at his seat or anything like that, but he was in the locker room. It was open to the media. All of the players are being, you know, interviewed. So I treated him as an athlete in that situation. And I said, my response was, you don't know? And his response to my response was, I don't want to talk about it. And I quoted him as saying, I don't know. And I don't want to talk about it, which seemed appropriate, you know, uh, and logical for a Clippers fan. But, of course, he's a Yankees fan, too, so it's not like he's not also a frontrunner, but he's from New York. That makes me wonder, though, like, is he not—maybe there's some great story there. Maybe the, the Lakers wouldn't give him good seats, and so he was turned off to the Lakers. Or maybe he had a bad experience with the Lakers, and that's why he was a Clippers fan. Is he I'm, still a Clippers fan? Yeah, I'm sure he talked about it elsewhere and has talked about it many times. He just, just didn't, didn't care like about talking, talking about, about it you. with me. Um, but anyway, when when uh, when our daughter texted me that she was at Mr. Chow's with uh, Billy Crystal, all I could think of, and there's probably two people in the, in the uh, viewing audience who are thinking of the same thing was um, the song Glamour Profession by Steely Dan off the great Gaucho album. Jive, understand that Mr. Charles is a small chain. There's a couple in Manhattan, but the most famous one is in Beverly Hills. Jive Miguel, he's in from Bogota. Meet me at midnight at Mr. Chow's. This is a Steely Dan song? Yes. Szechuan dumplings after the deal has been done. I'm the one. First of all, I think we got Szechuan dumplings, and they were amazing. Second of all, I wonder if Danny has the ability, wherever he is in the country, if it's L.A. or California or uh, New Jersey, to add a little bit of the Well, I mean, it's one of the, the great songs off of one of the great albums of all time. Steely Dan, Asia, and Gaucho back-to-back is uh, some powerful. Uh, it's like uh, the prime of of Ted Williams' career or something. So, 1977. But when we got these texts that you were in New York with, uh, and again, once again, people tuning in for a breakdown of the WNBA draft or, 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 getting or a recap, of a recap of the Final Four, which I don't even think we... No, we did we were around, Did we do that? I think. Anyway, they're going to get Steely Dan lyrics and um, Szechuan dumplings, exactly. But anyway, our, our, our youngest, when she got the text that you were at Mr. Chow's with uh, Billy Crystal, said, and she, she, she's watched Parental Guidance 20 times, Grandpa Artie. Great, great movie. But only knows Billy Crystal as Grandpa Artie from Parental Guidance. She right. said, uh, although I did say he was also uh, Mike Wazowski from, from Monsters, Inc. Right. She said, did you get a picture? No, we didn't get a picture. She didn't get a picture. Why wouldn't she take a picture? I said, it's not polite to take a picture of anybody when they're eating, much less a stranger. This person is still a stranger, even though you know who he is, uh, eating in a restaurant. So a good lesson. Great lesson. Anyone ever take a picture of you in a restaurant while you're eating? I don't, I don't, mean, I don't mean covertly, because the covert selfie... Yeah, yeah. Happens. No, sometimes I've looked, and I don't know if it's, it happens probably more in airports than restaurants, especially since I, we haven't really been to a restaurant very much in the last couple of years. Well, you and I haven't, but right. you, you are On occasion, yeah. Sometimes you'll see somebody like taking a picture that you think, mm, I think they're getting a picture of me with their phone. Um, and and you've, you've covertly taken pictures of people on airplanes. Who has to barefoot or, or yeah. in some other inappropriate mode of behavior. Yes, that is true. WMA Draft is such a fun event to work. Um, 
I've said this before, just because, you know, all these kids, they're like, these dreams are coming true for them. Um, but I was laughing because the WNBA has their orange carpet set up. Um, any big events, all-star game, draft, whatever, that's where the, the photographers and uh, people line up as the athletes come in and they pose on the orange carpet. And we got there early and like walked past the orange carpet. And I was saying to LaChina Robinson, who I was working the draft with, I said, I would have hated that um, like when I was still playing, like, you know how they have, they have the tunnel fits now where players come in and pose in their outfits and stuff. Like come I, into the arena. Come into the, the arena. Yeah. Before a game or going to these events, posing in the orange car. But I, I, I don't like it now. Fortunately, nobody wants my picture now, but in those days I just would have hated it. It was not a, an area where I was comfortable. And, uh, so during the draft, there are times where we would like roll in pictures um, or video of some of the players as they came in and there's one particular player and the china was like oh bless her soul or something I, sa- I said what do you mean she's like she looks like rebecca lobo on a red carpet like in the late 90s i said i said oh completely uncomfortable she said oh yeah completely uncomfortable um but some of the players were like gobbling it up you know loving it posing and doing all their twists and turns to get the right camera angle and the right angle of their jewelry or their fit or whatever it may be and uh it's fun to see. I, I do love looking at all of those pictures and seeing different players' style, um, whether it's NBA players or WNBA. There's a Instagram account, League Fits, and it's all NBA or WNBA players in their tunnel fits or in uh, whatever their outfits might be. That uh, It's kind of fun to see. Why weren't you comfortable uh, on the red carpet? Because I imagine, and, and she probably was on a few of them with you, your mother must have been... Uh, because she would do a thing where she would well she took like a, f- a modeling class when she was in high school or college yeah, so I don't, I don't know that, she had the whole walk right. down but and, not only that uh, when she would try on clothes like in a changing room or in front of oh, a yeah. full-length mirror what would she do put the hands in her pockets and she'd turn and look over her shoulder and she would always do the, this clicking sound that drove my sister and me nuts she would go like <laughs> as she's like looking at herself in the mirror and uh consciously just to drive you nuts or no or? it was just, I, no i I don't think she did it, or at least originally, yeah. I don't think she did it intentionally to drive us nuts. It was just something she did. And it's kind of funny. I think we've talked about this before, how one of our daughters does that. When she tries clothes on, she makes that sound. And it's not something she's learned. It's She hasn't heard us tell this story. It's like her natural inclination. If she's trying something on and wants to show us, like, look at these new pants I got or something, she'll try them on and she'll put her hands in her pockets and go. <laughs> I don't know exactly what it means. And but. by the same token. Our son doesn't try things on. No. And in fact, when uh, you asked, you you need new clothes. You don't have anything that fits. Let's go get you some new clothes. Do you want me to take you clothes shopping or do you want dad to take you clothes shopping? Because he wears a uniform to school. When he's not in school, he's almost exclusively in like sweats or shorts or athletic wear. Shorts. Yeah. No matter the weather. True. Do you want me to take you shopping or do you want your father to take you shopping? And his response, can you just go on your own, do it on your own? And get whatever. And get whatever. And then basically, like, I'll wear it. But, but this it, reached its apotheosis it, recently. <laughs> unbelievable. He, we took him to the eye doctor. His glasses prescrip- prescription changed slightly so but enough that he needed a new pair of glasses and he really only wears them to look at the chalk the, the blackboard or yeah, the smart he only board wears in school. Them at school i said all right i'm t-, and his younger sister needed her first pair of glasses i said all right we're gonna go over april break we're gonna go today to get glasses and he said can you just choose them for me <laughs> glasses he said no, Not, you have to. No, we have to. You have to put them on your face because your face doesn't look like my face, and you're a boy, and I'm a mom. No, I can't choose your glasses for you. He was so mad so, too. So I went with him yesterday. He got the. We had to pick up the glass. We had to pick well, up the glasses. I had taken him yes. to get the glasses, and he was just this surly thirteen-year-old. We're walking through the store, and they said, like, you know, we're a. I forget the phrase they used, sterile environment. So if you try on a pair of glasses, put them then in this yeah. tray. You can't put them back up It dissuades on the you from trying on 50 pair of yes. frames. Didn't dissuade our, our youngest. No, she was not. trying on frames like crazy. I could only get our son to try on, to try on two frames. 
And then he settled on one of them because he was just He's done. not not thrilled that he had to shop for anything so, that he would put on his body. So yesterday we went to pick them up. Yes. The guy had him sit down in front of the mirror and do they pinch your nose? Let me check the ears, shake your head. Okay, you're good to go. So the, the guy made one adjustment to the to the nose pinchers, and so our son took him off. He said, no, take him off with both hands because otherwise your dominant hand, when you take off your glasses, will, will stress the, the right arm of the, the glasses. So he took them off with both hands, put them in the case that has the the uh, the snapping of ferocity of, of a grizzly bear trap. You could lose a, a finger in that case. Snapped him into the case, and we left, and I... I said, "Let me see. Let me see your. Let me see them on you." And he he declined. Though he said he was perfectly happy with the glasses. And then when we got home, uh, you said, "Can I see your glasses?" And he opened the glasses case and handed you his glasses. Right. It's like, no, I want to see them on your face. Um, in this, I guess it was sort of coincidentally, his eye doctor appointment came a couple days after his his glasses had been washed unintentionally in the washing machine. <laughs> I had I was taking clothes out of the washing machine, putting them in the dryer, and I hear this sound of, I, I thought, oh, maybe a, cu- a couple quarters or pennies or something got in there. No, it was our son's, uh, his old glasses, with the, one of the lens, one lenses popped out. I was able to reassemble them, and for the most part, they were in fine shape, but um, we do certainly need to make sure this new pair of glasses does not get in a pocket and then put through the washing uh, machine. I'm curious for our viewers, what is the most absurd thing you have found in the laundry that had gone through the wash, presumably of your children, but possibly of your spouse? Not of your spouse, of your husband, obviously. Yours. Uh, you've had change go through multiple times. Pens, which somehow, because that's happened multiple times. Uh, my, 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 I am literally an ink-stained ink ratchet. Yes. I don't know how they didn't explode and get all over the clothes. Um, it's been pretty good. I'm, I usually am pretty thorough about going through pockets, especially pants pockets. I think our sons were in some sort of an inside pocket of a sweatshirt or something, and that's how it got past me. I mentioned his glasses came in a case with the ferocity of a grizzly bear trap, and it makes me think of the squirrel trap that your your dad had set. And we hadn't seen him. We saw him on Easter Sunday, and you asked him for an update, didn't you, on the squirrel said, situation? Yeah. So we said, you know, when you got the squirrel out, was it in the trap? And his response was, it was in the trap, and it was half alive. And uh, it had nothing to do with, like, being harmed it was that in the he, trap. He it, said, "I guess squirrels have really high heart rates and or metabolisms or something. I forget how he described it. And and the poor squirrel had gone and had himself like a heart attack. I, I, I didn't hear that. Yeah, this is the first I'm hearing. Yeah, that. had like a heart attack in the squirrel cage. <laughs> squirrel had a heart attack in the squirrel cage. Uh, yeah, so I think he was half alive." Although my dad did the ha- glass half full, half dead in the poor What did they do with trap. the squirrel? Was that the squirrel guy's? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if the guy came and took the squirrel or if he... Defibrillated the squirrel? <laughs> perhaps and then put him in the woods. I don't well, I'm know. sorry. I'm sorry I even brought it up now. I know. So am I. It's, it's sad, but it's, um, it, is the, it is the reality. <laughs> I hope this won't dissuade Michael in Kansas City from continuing to make his uh, signature Squirrel bait snack of Cheetos not. and peanut butter. I hope not. And a, or or, or uh, uh, I hope we haven't uh, promoted a dangerous snack for people. Hmm. Well, I, I don't know how to segue out of that. That I sad know, it's squirrel just a, tail. It's, a sad, it's, it's awful. Sad thing. But um, before we get to viewer mail, we've had an unusual influx. Of, of snail mail. We have. And without, I should say, without a, a corresponding outflux of snail mail. Yeah. I, I, have to, I have to create an outflux of swag, and, and I have, we've had some requests to send things out. I will send those out this week. But it's not that we've had an influx. It's that we went to the P.O. box and That's picked true. up our mail from That's the true. last five or six weeks. Yeah, we, we sell them usually full of uh, invitations to kids' birthday parties that, that we've long since missed because 
the PO box is the address on like school home address lists and things like that. Yeah. Anyhow, um, we had a lovely uh, snail mail from Dr. Gary Siegel with photographs of uh, the Siegel crew in New Orleans, Mardi Gras, mm -hmm. and his granddaughters, his adorable granddaughters there. And those photographs are now on our fridge. They are. Which is, which you maybe, what, three weeks ago? Our fridge was pretty full of kids' artwork, pictures, stuff that didn't need to Any, be on there. Anytime I, I needed to get a pickle, there was an avalanche of, of, of stuff that photos fell and off magnets. The and so, it, was, it, was, it was getting irritating. So about three weeks ago, you took almost everything off the fridge. And now, so the picture now of Dr. Siegel and his family it's, it's, is one of a f very limited number of things that are on the fridge. And, and uh, I said I should take a picture of our fridge and send it to Dr. Siegel. And our 11-year-old <laughs> said, quite spot on, I think. And then he could put that picture on his fridge. Yeah, I think it's so a he, great idea. So we, we have pictures of the Siegel family on our fridge. We send a picture of that those pictures to him. He puts it on his fridge, presumably then takes a picture of those and sends it back and we put that on our fridge. Yeah, sounds perfect to me. Um, so so thank you, Dr. Siegel, for the, the lovely uh, snail mail and, and uh, photos that are on our fridge. Then... You mentioned at the final four getting a, a bag of gummy fish, right? Swedish fish. Swedish fish, the Swedish assorted fish. flavors. Yeah, the, the ultimate Minnesota snack. Yes. Combining Swedes and fish, right? <laughs> exactly. And I'm not sure we mentioned who it was from, but we found in the bag a ticket stub. Completely in the bag, not half in the bag. I think I think I think both the Swedish fish were in the bag. Mm-hmm. And the author of this note was probably in the bag when she wrote it. Could have been. Half in the bag. And, but it says, from Kathy, you're a resident behavioral health nurse. So thank you, Kathy, with a thank K. Thank you, Kathy. Right? Yeah. And the kids and all of us have been enjoying the Swedish fish ever since. And then, as if that weren't enough, Rebecca, as if that weren't enough, at the P.O. Box, was a lovely uh, card from the PNW, mm -hmm. the Pacific Northwest. And uh, it's from our resident knitter, signed our resident knitter. It's from Denise and Chris, both spelled the standard way. Resident knitter, question mark. Well, of res course. resident knitter, exclamation mark. And enclosed was a beautiful beanie. That you've been wearing almost nonstop since you got it. In our freezing basement, mm -hmm. it's perfect. You're wearing uh, it right now. Podcasting It's uh, gray apparel. And, and like, I don't know what, what shade of orange that is, but it looks really it's nice. Sort of burnt orange, Texas Longhorns light mm, kind of. Kind of. Um, but anyway, it has a patch sewn to the front, leather patch that says Made with Love by Denise. Yeah, it's so, beautiful. It's a beautiful hat and you've been wearing it a lot since it you got love. it. So so anyway, I'm, I mean, I'm I'm uh, look. We've got we have actual cards and letters here on the on the um, TV tray that where I usually read the viewer mail. Yeah. So that's some viewer mail. Should we get to the rest of the viewer mail? Let's get to the rest of the viewer mail. Big bad look, throw our lure. Reel us in with your viewer mail. Well, timely as uh, today's podcast is, Rebecca, talking about the WMA draft. Our first viewer mail comes from Rachel in Idaho. Ooh, hello, Rachel. Rachel writes, good afternoon, Steve and Rebecca. It is WNBA draft day, and I am excited to see where players end up and how the draft plays out. Rebecca, were there any players you were surprised didn't get drafted? Any surprises with where players went in the draft? I was not surprised by anybody who did not get drafted. You, you should say uh, off the start, because we were talking about this this morning, having nothing to do with the podcast, that uh, um, how incredibly difficult. Incredibly difficult it, it is, is to, to make a roster. Some some teams have cap issues, right? Yeah. So some teams. You're allowed to keep 12 players as long as you're inside the salary cap. But most teams are try to load up on some of the more expensive players, and so they can only keep 11 at least to start the season. So 12 teams, 12 players, 144 jobs, except there's not 144 jobs because I think 
to start the WNBA season, only nine, only three teams can have all 12 players. Um, nine teams will have 11. So it's really, really hard to make a team. So, for example, the Minnesota Lynx had a pick in the first round that they can't afford the salary for a first round pick. I think it's like it might be 70 grand if you're going the first round or 67 grand or something like that. But they didn't have the space for them um, without making cuts and stuff that I don't know that they wanted to make. So they ended up trading out of the first round because if they had kept their first round pick, that pick most likely wouldn't have made their team. So it's just really, really hard, 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 hard to by make a team. By contrast, there are 30 NBA teams. It's, it's ridiculously, unbelievably hard to make an NBA team, obviously. It goes without saying. Well, we showed a graphic but There are the 30 teams, of and the... I think there are 15 players rostered on each team. Yeah, so. and then you have practice questions. You have a whole G League. Yeah. The WNBA doesn't have that. So at some point, we would like to see the WNBA do what they did in the early years of the league, and that's have a couple of practice players. Um, the first year of the league, we had a practice player. She only made five grand. $5,000 the entire summer. She was given uh, a place to stay, but, I mean, that's not very much money to they, be living they, in they New York City and just practicing. Just on a cot on the court? Yeah, right. And, uh, and, and so anyway, um, so, you know, Kristen Williams went in the second round to Washington, but the, uh, the great thing for her is Washington can afford to keep their first and second round pick. Um, so a lot of it is not necessarily the round you go in, or or you might be more of a value in the second round because a team can afford your salary, but where it's slotted in in the second round. But if you've gone in the first round, you make more money, and the team can't afford you. So um, this doesn't really answer her question, but uh, but but it answers the question: Are there any players you were surprised weren't drafted? Because one of our kids asked if it's so hard, you know, for some of these some of these teams that don't have roster space and have a low draft pick, why do they even draft a player? You have to. Exactly. Yeah, you have to. And so sometimes teams are looking for what they they call a deferral pick. So like a player could have more value if she got hurt at the end of the season and can't play this year. Because you, you get her, you hold her rights, then maybe next year, you can't afford her this year, but maybe next year you get her in your training camp and um, she becomes a steal. Or they'll draft a player from overseas who's 19 years old who doesn't plan to come to the WNBA for a couple of years, which is perfect for that team. They'll wait for that player to develop and then they don't have room this year, so they um, don't have to worry about paying that player. So when I say the WNBA draft is one of my favorite events, it is. But at the same time, it's one of the events that like can make me feel a little bit sad too because I don't know that the players understand um, when they declare for the draft, especially now because you could have that extra year because of COVID. I don't know if the players understand that you could be a really good player. You could be drafted in the first round or early second round and get caught. And, wasn't somebody cut today, did you say, by Las Vegas? Oh, yeah. She wasn't a draftee. But, yeah, Kalani Brown, the six seven player who played at Baylor Skilled a few years player. ago. She was a first-round pick for L.A. a couple of years ago. I think she was the seventh or eighth pick overall. And uh, her first year she played, and since then she's you know got gotten traded or gone to training camps and, um, and not stuck to a roster. So it's just really, really hard to make a team. So you feel bad for these players because – I don't know how many of them understand the challenge of making a WNBA roster. I just don't know um, if they understand the economics of it and, 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 and all of that. Professional sports, by definition, you know, roster average ages stay the same. Everybody's 24 years old, but every individual gets older. So you're constantly being uh, either replaced potentially or challenged by a younger player. And, and, and how that is in the WNBA, and, and it, you're and it, slotted into a certain salary your first couple of years. And then after that, you're a veteran and you command the veteran minimum. And because of the tight salary cap and the hard salary cap, um, you may be better than a rookie who was drafted in the second round, but because you cost seven or $8,000 more than they do, you're going to get cut. That's true in the workplace generally. I don't know, though. It's, there's not a hard salary cap in the workplace. I'm just saying it, it has been a trend in the workforce to replace uh, older, Sure, but not like older, with... not meaning 
four or five years older, right. you know. Um, but yeah, so it's just it's a really it's a situation that hopefully will get addressed in the next collective bargaining agreement. You know, of course, it would be great to have expansion and add a team or two. But I think the the short term solution could be to have a, a an expanded roster that allows you to have two practice players because throughout the course of a season, players get hurt. Um, last year, we did a game on ESPN where in the open of the game, we showed the layup lines of the Washington Mystics because they had six healthy players. Six. They went into a game with six healthy players, and we had to show layup lines because it looked so absurd. It looked like a youth basketball uh, warm-up. Um, we've got to make sure we don't, you know, if, if and teams will have players get hurt throughout the year, and uh, the expanded roster with the with the roster spots for practice players may be the way to go. That uh, idea, by the way, is not mine. It was, uh, it's one I've heard from coaches and general managers throughout the WNBA, and I think it's it's the best solution that I've heard, at least to the problem of the rosters. See, uh, uh, one question about the WNBA draft, and Rebecca begins speaking in tongues. I, I mean, know, we, I'm sorry. No, not, don't, not at all. Interesting. It is interesting, though. But But Rachel has more on her mind. A few notes. A, the dogs that most mushers use for dog sledding are Alaskan Huskies rather than the Siberian Huskies most people are used to seeing. Uh, we talked about uh, I did a ride, I think, on, um, or no, we talked about dog sledding in general. Alaskan Huskies are smaller and quicker. They're raised for speed rather than the power of the Siberian Husky. What What is the uh, Yukon Husky, Rebecca? I think a Siberian. I Jonathan think. the Husky? I think so, yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, considering that it's it's a, a fuzzy costume created by, in a workshop. Oh, I thought you uh, meant the actual oh, the dog. the actual Husky, yeah. Jonathan no, I meant the Husky. Yeah. We follow him on Instagram. That's true. Uh, two, notice A and two. I have either I have enjoyed Steve's reading of the letter. I have uh, enjoyed Steve's reading of the letter from Michael and Higashi Kitazawa. And there's there's some uh, uh, kanji characters that I don't recognize, but that that Rachel clearly knows her stuff. Last week I lived in Japan for almost two years, and I'm also a sumo fan. For those in the states that want to keep up on the sport, NHK World does a highlight show for each day of the two week tourney. So this is great. We're getting getting sumo updates. From NHK and and Formula One updates from Dr. Siegel, we have a, a rugby correspondent. I know we're getting we're we're kind of creating an international sports uh, consortium. Consortium, consortium. Yeah, I like That's a good that word. I'm not sure if if what that even means, but I, I love it. Um, it's like OPEC. What is OPEC? Is the oil producing uh, something? Consortium, Countries? right? Oh, it's consortium. Cabal. I, I don't I know. know. I don't. Know. I can't remember what the Isn't C stands Cabal for. Isn't Cabal with a K? Cabal's with a C. Oh. I don't think they would call themselves a cabal because th- that has kind of sinister criminal, right. I think, right. um, overtones. Sidebar, most of Steve's pronunciation was pretty good. Well, there you go. Thank you, Rachel. Uh, Roman numeral lowercase three. Is there any interest in the NBA playoffs in the Russian household? I have to say that each year my interest lessens, says Rachel. Yeah, actually quite a bit of interest in the Celtics uh, Nets series in particular, um, which was a phenomenal game on, on Easter Sunday. We watched that at your brother's house. A lot of Celtics fans and the extended family here in New England, but also our son and I went to a Nets game in Brooklyn this year, and he's he admires, I think, the skills of Kevin Durant. Uh, Kyrie Irving is Kevin a big Durant, villain here in New England. Go ahead. I, th- I was going to say, I think Kevin Durant is my favorite player. You love his passing. You always always comment on his... Uh, he's he's his, this seven-footer who can see everything, and he delivers the basketball to his teammates right when they're open. He's a great hockey assist guy, like... He gets doubled passes, and then that guy passes, and it leads to easy buckets. He um, doesn't seem like a selfish player to me. He seems like he just wants to go out and win and does everything he can to just win. And uh, and it just I, I marvel at this seven-foot skinny dude who often is their point guard. He's handling yeah. the ball as he's bringing it up the floor. And uh, I just love that when he could shoot, he often – doesn't and he passes instead because somebody else is open. You don't see that a ton in the NBA. I'm enjoying the fact that the Timberwolves are in the playoffs and you know winning playoff games because they have no basically no history of of postseason. Who's their series with? I, I covered their their greatest uh, triumph in in the NBA in 2004 when they made the Western the the uh, the Western Conference Finals, lost to the Lakers. Um, I was there at, in Minneapolis, um, but uh, 
but otherwise, um, our son is really start, sort of starting to get into it. And he told me on the drive to school this morning that uh, there was an exciting finish to the Mavericks Jazz last night. And uh, I didn't. Even, I thought he was in bat, but he was obviously up watching, uh, watching the game. Oh, so the, the rest Mavs of us were asleep. Are, right, the Mavs are playing the Jazz, and who, who are the T Wolves playing? T Wolves are playing the Grizzlies. Okay. Anyway, Rachel says it is currently snowing in Idaho. I hope your weather is better than mine. It's well, it's raining here, and that was uh, WNBA draft day when it was snowing there. So I, it's, it has been. We read a, our our sophomore softball game yesterday, and it was freezing cold, Arctic. Arctic. So cold. Our youngest was there in shorts, and she was freezing, and complaining about how cold it was. And I said, I said, well, your sister is out there uh, playing first base in short sleeves, and and our daughter who was in shorts and a sweatshirt said, yeah, well, at least she has pants. Right, and 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 like, the weather app said fifty and mild. It wasn't fifty, and it wasn't mild. It was the wind was blowing, the sun was not out. It was just shrill. But but the, how is the weather app supposed to know where what the conditions are at you know this that particular, particular softball field? field? I don't know. I'm, I don't think the weather app knows much of anything really. Yeah. I mean, I, I it's, it's I, usually pretty good if you look at it. it. Gives you the temperature, the accurate temperature at least. This time it was way way off. I I usually like to step outside, and even that isn't accurate because the front of our house is ninety degrees, and the back or is, is twenty if degrees the sun's warmer out, than our, yeah. yeah. Um. Which reminds me, this morning our youngest came down to the kitchen. I didn't know she had come down to the kitchen. I had my back to her, and she didn't say good morning. She didn't say hello. She said, Alexa, what is the weather in our town in Connecticut? And I turned to say good morning, and our daughter shushed me because she couldn't hear what uh, the robot was saying to her Yeah, about the weather. You got shushed for Alexa. I did. Yeah. Uh, dear Rebecca and Steve, enjoyed the WNBA draft show tonight. Looking forward to the upcoming season. This is, by the way, from uh, Mark in Texas. Um, the umpire of yesterday's softball game, who referees a lot of the kids' uh, basketball games as mm-hmm. well, and God bless him, a shortage of umpires and a shortage of referees. He's he's doing both probably uh, not hearing a lot of praise from parents and coaches, but he does a great job. He's, he told you yesterday that um, he was watching the Final Four, right? What did he say? Oh, well, this is a guy who I see throughout the winter because he officiates a bunch of our other kids' games. Really good guy, always chatting with him. He said to me, uh, he was talking to me about the Final Four, and he said, um, I'm sorry, but I had to uh, turn away. And listen to Sue and Diana. He said, I started listening to you, and then I heard that they, they had a, a game. I'm sure he heard by the, by the promo that I, they had us do, like, go listen or watch anywhere but here. He said, and then, you know, Diana was making me laugh. So he's like, sorry if I hurt your ratings, but I was, uh, I was watching. That hurt your feelings. Know. Yeah, oh, he doesn't ratings. care about my feelings. I um, that is the well, ultimate. That, that, is, that, is, that is the ultimate uh, sort of uh, uh, show of concern for 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 a person on television. Right. I I, I hope I didn't hurt your right. ratings. I didn't tell you this. So I brought our daughter to to the softball game. She has to get there, you know, an hour early. So I dropped her off at the field, and then I went and parked in the parking lot, and was just reading and messing around on my phone and stuff. And I look up, and and. And I see this guy, an umpire. I didn't realize it was the umpire at first, but because the boys were also having a baseball game, I didn't know if it was like standard procedure for umpires to dress themselves in the parking lot. But obviously they don't drive there with all of their pads and stuff on. So this umpire, he's like pulling up these spandex and he was kind of a burly guy. And so he's like trying to shove himself (laughs) into his spandex as he's pulling the waist up. And then put a pad on and then like a tight shirt that he's in jamming into the spandex. But like the gymnastics he was going through to get all of his flesh tucked into these poor spandex bottoms. Do you think there should be spanks for umpires? Oh, that's what these look like. But it was interesting because it was like, I don't know if they were short-waisted. You know how women, they have like the high-rise pants. He needed high-rise spandex because he's trying to get everything into what looked like a really short rise. Was was he was he wearing the chest protector under his shirt when he was trying to do this? He, he not at first. So first he's trying to shove himself yep. into the spandex. 
<laughs> and he's like, you know, kind of doing these gyrations and stuff to get all of his flesh into into the where he wanted to go. And then he put on like the chest protector thing. And then he was putting on his shirt. But it was like it was like he was in a dressing room by himself. He he was not acting yeah. as if he was in a parking lot where anybody could did, see did him. Did he make the clicking sound that your mother made? <laughs> I don't know. But then pulling up next to him was another guy. So once this guy got himself all into his clothing, all of a sudden, and like I was trying not to look, I would glance up but look down because I didn't want to see it and I didn't want to get caught seeing it. Another guy um, who had a little bit less to mush into his his spandex um, started getting dressed too. But I was just like, this is... You, this is unbelievable. Can we give these guys a tent like they have in college football? Give them something that they, gives them some privacy as they as they finagle their way into their clothes. And then after the game, the second umpire uh, just just uh, unzips one thing on the back of the first umpire, and and he explodes like a self inflating raft when yeah, the pin has been pulled. Exactly. That's what it should be. It was um, it was really a sight to behold. Uh, well, uh, anyway, this is from Mark in Texas, whose daughter is six nine, I oh, believe, hey, right? Yeah. So he says, just Abby, wanted, right? Abby, just wanted to get your thoughts on the transfer portal and how it will affect the game of women's college basketball and the recruiting process. The last time I checked, there are over 1,100 players in the transfer portal. That's about 25% of D1 women's basketball players. That seems like an awful lot of players on the move. Is that is that right? Yeah, that's right. Holy smokes. Holy smokes is right. I know. It's crazy. The, so because now you can transfer once without having to sit out a year. It used to be if you transferred, you would sit out a year. Um, you'd get the eligibility on the back end, but you'd sit out a year. So there's some sort of punishment for it. And it like sort of is perfect for the world we live in. Instant gratification. You know, you're a freshman. You don't play as much as you think you should play. All right. I'm going to leave. You're a sophomore who hasn't paid your dues yet. So you're not playing as much as you think you should you're going to leave. And um, I think I said this on this podcast at the beginning of this past college season, I was talking to the Louisville coach, Jeff Walls, and he said, you don't build a program anymore. You build a team. And, uh, you know, it's not like you get this group of kids and you have them for four years and you, you know, build a program. Now you get a kid for a year, maybe two years, you have a kid for a year and you lose them and uh, you build a team. So, Uh, Mark adds, did I see that the WNBA All-Star Game was going to be held in Chicago in July? Do you, I have seen that, but it has not been announced okay. officially. I've only seen it same place as he well, has, he, I'm sure, like on Twitter, we'll so be, unofficially. We'll be in Chicago for an AAU tournament at that time, so we may be able to make the game. That would be nice. But here's an up- update that we're waiting for, Rebecca. Ready? Mm-hmm. By the way, yes, Abby did find shoes. Nice. As you know, it can be tough to find girls' dress shoes in bigger sizes, in this case, 18 men's. But thanks to the amazing family of basketball friends, we finally found some. First, we reached out to you and you suggested Freedman's in Atlanta, but they were unable to help. Then my wife reached out to Lisa Leslie, the one and only, who was kind enough to put us in touch with Shaq's shoemaker, who was kind enough to put us in touch with a shoemaker here in Dallas. Wow. The first prototype shoe they made her had a four-inch heel, making her 7'1", while wearing them. Currently, there is a second pair, hopefully flats this time, under construction. Have to be careful. Can't afford any turned ankles from trying out heels this time of year during AAU season. I would like to request some swag so she can have it on display for the upcoming AAU season. You got it, Mark. Thanks for the address and uh, thanks for the update. Amazing. Well, I hope... Shaq's Shoemaker. I mean, that that's a Netflix documentary oh, that sure. I'm waiting to see. I hope that the All-Star Game is in Chicago because I, I usually get to cover the All-Star Game. I hope that you are able to come to the All-Star Game if you're playing in an AAU tournament there, and we can say hello. It's been too long. Okay, Rebecca, and our very next uh, viewer mail sent to ballandchainpod at gmail.com. Is that right? That's right. Uh, is headline 6-2 in the seventh grade. Dear Ball and Chain, writes Colleen, also in Texas. Hello, Colleen. Almost as if everything is bigger in Texas. Mm-hmm. I have searched for this story, both audio and video, after after the episode where finding clothes for tall women was first discussed. This was recently posted on Jeannie, pronounced Jeannie, Jeannie Robertson's Facebook page. I first heard it a long time ago on Laugh USA on XM Radio. Jeannie is all about finding the funny in every situation. Hope this makes your tall girls smile. And there is enclosed a YouTube clip of a comedian, uh, motivational speaker, uh, comedian, Jeannie Robertson's um, routine on 
herself being 6'2 in the seventh grade. So uh, find that Jeannie, J-E-A-N-N-E Robertson on being 6'2 in the seventh grade. We, we don't have a, have we had anybody 6'2 in the seventh grade? Um, our oldest was just. Uh, our oldest was probably pretty close yeah. to that. We were, I was talking to her the other day, and Topped she out said six three. Right? She said I had a bunch of years where my age was my shoe size. So like ten as a ten year old, eleven as eleven year old, twelve as a twelve year old, thirteen as a thirteen year old, and she's now still the thirteen, and she's we think topped out at at six two. But, uh, but yeah, that's the bit the big difference between girls and boys, right? Like girls can sometimes reach their full height. You know, because they go through puberty earlier, like in seventh or eighth grade, you can be six two, six three. Whereas boys tend to uh, do some more growing once they get to high well, school. Well, Jeannie Robertson says in that routine that she is six two. She she did top out at six two, but topped out, in reached that six two in the seventh grade. Yeah. And the very next uh, uh, viewer mail headlines tall family is from Mary who signs her uh, email Mary six feet so this is six foot Mary writes I always figured you had the tallest family but no and she encloses a story that I mentioned to uh, one of our daughters this week because I saw the same story Guinness Books world's tallest family hails from northern Minnesota so so tall are they well uh, I'm going to tell you Dateline Duluth it's official. There's a whole lot more shade. This is from WCCO in the Twin City Channel 4 in the Twin Cities. It's official. There's a whole lot more shade falling over Duluth than in other parts of the world. That's because the Guinness Book of World Records' newly certified tallest family in the world lives there. Actually, they live in Esco, but trust us, the shadows are long. The Trap, not the Von Trap, the Trap, T-R-A-P-P family, was just given the title of world's tallest family at an average height of 6'8". Uh, so the most diminutive of the five is Mother Christine is... Six three, okay. Okay. Uh, I love saying I'm the shortest person in the world's tallest family. She said. From there, the remaining family members are Scott Trap, father. He's six eight. Savannah Trap, daughter. She's six eight point one. Um, uh, Molly, daughter, six six. And Adam, son, seven three. So Adam is wow. skewing it. Uh, according to Guinness, Savannah Trap has been recruited by UCLA to play. Give you one guess: Division one basketball. Adam Trap played basketball in high school. Uh, whereas Molly Steed played volleyball in college and was likely great at blocking. Coaches always said to us, you can't teach height. You're either tall or you're not, Steed said. So anyway, um, interesting. Super interesting. And tall. Yeah. Uh, our next viewer mail is, uh, the header is Wordle. Wordle. I just completed Wordle before we went on the air here. Yeah. I think I'm the last holdout in our family yeah, you are. who doesn't do the Wordle. Hi, Stephen. Rebecca, a few shows ago you mentioned that Steve and one of your daughters enjoy the daily Wordle. Well, now it's it's uh, all three daughters. You and our son are the only ones who don't do it. Our I son do, doesn't do it either? Well, he doesn't really, isn't on a device. If he does anything, it's on my phone. Oh, right. So he doesn't want to try on clothes. He wants you to pick out glasses. And he's 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 uh, blessedly not all that interested in uh, an iPhone. Right. Uh, I do as well, writes Victorian, doing the Daily Wordle, and wondered if you had tried Quartle, Q-U-O-R-D-L-E, same concept but four words at the same time. I have not done that. I, we've done other variations. In fact, one night we looked at a, a bunch of different variations, our, our youngest and I, and there were wordles you know, that are like 10 letters long that are guesswork. There are geographical wordles where you're trying to guess a country based on certain clues. Uh, there are others with even more words, but I fear if I begin playing them, I'll never start work in the morning as I enjoy Wordle and Quirtle with my morning coffee. Um, uh, Josh Wordle, the guy who invented Wordle, said he invented it precisely so that it wouldn't be a time suck. You could do it in a couple of minutes and then get on with your life. The, the New York Times Spelling Bee, which we also do um, with the kids, which I also do with the kids, can take up uh, can take up most of your day if you're trying to get to queen bee status, Rebecca. Right. We don't know what any of this means. Uh, thanks for the podcast. Our girls are adults now, but your stories about time and various gyms reminds me of the fun we had while they played softball and volleyball all over the Southeast. Um, that reminds me, Rebecca, we drove by yesterday. I did anyway, a group of maybe five and six-year-olds practicing soccer on a little tiny goals on a, on a field. Mm -hmm. And, and it gave me a, while we still have uh, four kids, under 18, uh, most of them still on a team right now, um, well, all of them on a team right now, uh, it, it will never have a, a five-year-old playing soccer on a right. tiny field again. And, and it, it gave me like, 
you know, uh, uh, kind of a melancholy vibe. So you know how much you enjoyed those Saturday mornings. I I enjoyed them in retrospect. Right, because you were not necessarily soaking them all in at the the time. That's not true. How can you say that? I mean, uh, first of all, much of that time you were elsewhere. When AAU basketball is over, you, you would also are you, you going to say that you miss going to AAU basketball games? I will miss watching my kids play basketball. I will never miss, never miss uh, sitting on a bleacher listening to to uh, the uh, the rantings of of lunatic parents That's and true. coaches. Fair. In fact, we heard quite a story um, over the holiday, and I'll just. Oh, yeah. We won't detail it, but uh, about uh, uh, a near or possibly actual fist fight outside yeah. of a children's basketball game. Catholic League. Catholic children's League, of basketball course. Game. The worst. Anyway, that, thank you, uh, um, Victoria. That came from Victoria, a completionist from Canton, Georgia, North Metro Atlanta, possibly near, probably near Dr. Siegel. Maybe. Um, and a completionist, she writes, uh, reminds me, your dad took a, took a, had a nice week-long trip to California recently. He gave us the um, the lowdown on this San Diego to San Jose trek through California and, and visiting uh, people he knew out there. And he said he ran into a couple of completionists. So that wasn't the word he used. He used some other word. And, 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 I, and I thought, Mark Simon has really, he, he, by giving us the word completionist, Someone else used that word and copied us on Twitter. They were responding to someone else, and they said, I'm a completionist. Yes, and somebody responded yes, to them and said, that. great word. And they said, well, I first heard, heard it, first it. Yes, heard it yes, on yes. the ball and chain. That's a Mark so, Simonism, correct? Yes, and not only, the, not only the word, as far as I know, but the concept of Because right. he asked first, has anybody listened? So anyway, uh, thank you, Victoria. And finally, uh, just checking in is the, is the header, Dr. Gary Siegel. Dr. Siegel writes, Dear Rebecca and Steve, what a brilliant idea you had last week to let the viewer mail carry the podcast on its back. I think that's that's kind of the concept every week, is it not, I Rebecca? I think so, yeah. Uh, this is not to take anything away from your comical banter, of course, and I would be remiss if I did not compliment you both on your humility and generosity. Uh, such humility, Rebecca, that I'm reading this out loud on right, the air. Right. Uh, you heaped praise on those upon those who coach youth sports with class, dignity, hard work, and the proper demeanor. Items of note today in a list format are below. Are you ready for Dr. Siegel's enumerations? I am. Dr. Siegel's enumerations, by the way, would Is be that a like great. Shaq's shoemaker? It's 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 like uh, you know, Dr. So and so's uh, tooth powder from eighteen ninety five or something. Dr. Siegel's enumerations will quiet the stomach and Okay, ready? Yes. One, while listening to the podcast Monday afternoon at the gym, there was another gentleman wearing a Yukon basketball shirt. While I wanted to make a connection, I think trying to explain the podcast and the Yukon connection might have been a bit much to a total stranger. Oh, there's a Yukon basketball fan, though, in Georgia. Or at least a, a guy who needed a hat. I thought it was a shirt. It was a hat. Uh, was it uh, oh, a shirt? You're right. It was a shirt. You're right. That's a d- different thing entirely. It is. This guy needed a shirt, not a hat. Two, I continue to be enthralled by the wit, wisdom, and humor of the viewers via their notes and only aspire to be as comical. I'll keep aspiring away. Well, I think, Dr. Siegel, you set the bar. Three, the rest of the week in Austin, babysitting a toddler was great, and I was successfully able to handle a, quote, dirty bomb diaper with adeptness. Nice. A dirty, <laughs> he disposed of a dirty bomb with adeptness. Nice. Uh, four, downtown Austin is beautiful, and the Colorado River has been uh, dammed such that the down- dammed with two M's. Mm-hmm. Has been dammed such that the downtown area has Ladybird, parentheses, Johnson Lake, Ladybird Lake, with trails for walking, biking, etc. It's quite a development, and we enjoyed our time there. Nice. Five, our toddler granddaughter was an absolute dream the entire week. Nary a cry, and every morning around 6.45 or 0645, as he writes, she was singing away, awakening us via the baby monitor. It is standard to ask, baby, how did you sleep? To which, with deference to her British father, she replies, very well. She's two and a half. I, oh, I, would, I, I would love, instead of with a barking dog or a dog, like, clawing at our bedroom yeah. door like that's how we get awakened many yeah. mornings it's like the, the, to hear a little girl singing yeah we're awakened every morning with a scratching it sounds like the scratching to me in my half wake state it sounds like the scratching of a coffin lid yeah 
You know what? This morning I was awakened at like, I looked at my watch. It was um, 5.27 by a bird who chirped, woke me up. And then I laid there and I was listening and there was no more chirping. Like, do you think birds have a dream that make them chirp all of a sudden? Or like, I was curious, what? why did the bird let out that chirp? No other birds were chirping, well, we and have, it was not time to be chirping. We have a resident birder, Denise, who I think can inform us Maybe of that. Maybe Denise but will let us know. We also have a Denise, distinct from Denise, our resident knitter. Um, but and why do why do uh, uh, roosters get all the credit for like you know waking up with uh, waking us with some kind of uh, uh, emanation when when birds do it? I don't know. Too. But this morning was one of those mornings where. I don't know why I take pride in this because I don't know that I have anything to do with it, but had my alarm set for six and I woke up and I'm like, I think it's close to six. And I looked at my watch, 5.59. So I turned my little alarm off. I don't know why it makes me so happy when I wake up and 5.58 wouldn't quite do it, but 5.59, I'm like, perfect. You, 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 you set your table for six and you set your alarm for six. There you go. That is true. That's true. Six, speaking of which, six, writes Dr. Siegel, we're now expert in puzzle and paw patrol with a side dose of Peppa Pig. Well, I'm sure as the, as the uh, I hope her British father, Daddy Pig, can, can snort with a British accent yes. the way Daddy Pig does on Peppa. Seven, while she went to school every weekday from 8.30 to 4.30, Mrs. DGS and I vacationed by a bit of sightseeing and nice lunches every day. It was a pleasure. Uh, seven again, Dr. Siegel repeats seven. That, that shortens his list. Maybe this is tied for seventh. Race three for the Formula One season in Australia was marked by another DNF by reigning driver's champion Max Verstappen. He has not finished three of six races, and the unreliability of his fast car is a problem. His team principal, Christian Horner, who uh, uh, is married to one of the Spice Girls, uh, has said that he would rather make a fast car reliable than a reliable slower car faster. We shall see as the uh, circus shifts to the European part of the season, exceptions for Miami, which is a new race, and Canada. This is when the first batch of upgrades begin to appear. So far, the Reds, Ferrari, seem to be fast, balanced, reliable, and easy on the tires. Tires with a Y. Eight, Frenchman Roman Grosjean. He, 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 Dr. Siegel helpfully uh, bolds that uh, name so that I can give it a, a ludicrous French pronunciation. Roman Grosjean. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm mispronouncing it, who survived the horrific fiery crash in Bahrain in 2021, which was horrific, is now in IndyCar racing, and he scored a P2 finish at Long Beach this past weekend. Nine, as a child, I also shopped at Friedman's Shoes in Atlanta from time to time, although I had no need for the glitzy shoes, hardly made in the 60s, or for larger sizes. It was nice to hear the store mentioned, however. Now, he will have heard it mentioned again in this podcast. That's right. 10, uh, speaking of shoes, when I last bought gym shoes, which are limited to use in the gym, I made note of when I bought them so that I would replace them in a timely fashion. Here's the note pasted below. Shoes and weight gloves, February 2013. Oh, I just, come on. He hasn't gotten new shoes boy, there's since a photographic 2013. Evidence as well. Dr. Siegel. I just bought a new, here's the note. I just bought a new pair of shoes a mere nine years later, going for whatever DSW had that was not ridiculously priced and comfortable. As a creature of habit, I bought a newer version of my older shoes. A picture is attached. And in fact, Rebecca, there are a pair of, two pair of Asics, you know, uh, in, in a kind of a steel gray blue color yeah, scheme. Yeah, I like Asics. Yeah. Those are nice looking um, shoes. In, 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 I, I note there's a size 11 on the, um, on the box. So, um, Dr. Siegel, you have my permission since you clearly need my permission to get a new pair of shoes every two or three years. Perhaps I'll pay a bit more attention to the condition of my shoes moving forward, he writes. Mm. That, that phrase, moving forward, you, you like. You, 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 you don't like that phrase. You've adopted that from your sort of corporate uh, Zooms and stuff, moving forward. What, what, what does it add to a sentence? I don't know. Perhaps I'll pay a bit more we'll attention to the condition of my shoes. Here. Yeah, moving forward. Well, it, it works with the shoe, uh, right, metaphorically. Exactly. 11, and finally, more waves, fewer honks, part two. In liberal Austin, a driver stopped at a traffic light that was turning yellow, and the car behind it honked to pressure the car to go through the yellow light, which car number one did. More waves, fewer honks. All the best. Gary with two R's. More waves. Do not pressure drivers to honks. go through the yellow. Especially Maybe once it's you a youth driver, somebody with... You know, just been driving a short amount of time. Now that our, our kids, our, we have a youth driver, we're much more yes. aware of that. Yes. Rebecca, I, that's 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 all I have. 
Good. But but thank you, Dr. Siegel. Thanks to all the viewers. Thanks to producer Denny Gallagher, well, wherever he may be. Not good that that's all Dr. Siegel has. Good that that's all you have, well, that, that was plenty. That was 11 items, and since there were two sevens, it's really 12 items. Anything you want to add, Rebecca? Nothing I want to add. Tom, Tom Dick Hari, play us out. Sing says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane Six of us and the family pet Live in this cuckoo nest Daily grind puts your sanity To a daily test Androgynous and vigorous Well we give for a little rest It's day by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane.